Rethinking Obesity. That's the title of this month's five-part series where I'm covering everything from defining obesity as a medical condition to conversations with your family doctor to effective treatment. If you or a loved one is living with overweight or obesity, this would be a great series to share. Together, we can change the narrative around obesity and lift the shame and stigma. Because obesity isn't a character flaw. It isn't a lifestyle choice. Obesity is a medical condition. Now, let's get into it. Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm happy to be back with you. This is week three of our five-part series. We are talking about rethinking obesity. And week one, I talked about what obesity really is and how we define obesity. Week two, we talked about how to have a conversation with your family doctor. And this week, we are talking about what investigations and blood work are part of an obesity assessment. And I'm actually going to walk you through what's available in the Canadian Obesity Guidelines and FYI, the Canadian obesity guidelines are kind of the top guidelines around the world. Many other countries are actually using the Canadian obesity guidelines to, to create their own guidelines and looking to Canada as the leaders in obesity treatment. So for me as an obesity physician in Canada, it's really exciting to be part of this field because Canada is sort of at the forefront, which is kind of cool. So let's start with, if you were to go to your family doctor and you were having a conversation about your, around your weight, what would they do in terms of screening to really say, yes, you do have a diagnosis of obesity. In terms of the screening, we still use BMI. Now, BMI or body mass index is just a measure of your weight in kilograms divided by your height in meters squared. And so for a number of reasons, we know that it's not a perfect tool, right? Doesn't indicate whether that weight is from body fat or if it's from a lot of muscle. It's not a direct measure of cardiometabolic health or risk. It's less accurate in certain populations like elderly people or people with a physical disability or young people less than 18 or people who are pregnant or people who have a lot of edema on their body, like swelling. And it can also either over or underestimate body fat in certain ethnic groups. So it's not perfect, but if we're looking at all comers on a population basis, it's still an, a good screening tool. Again, screening just means, okay, if it kind of gives us the, the doorway in, but then we need to do some further, further investigations. So we take weight in kilograms divided by height in meters squared and overweight is a BMI of 25 to 29.9. Anything over 30 is what we consider obesity. And we have certain classifications of class one, class two, class three, but that would be the screening tool. And then we really need to figure out, okay, so your BMI is elevated, but is the excess adiposity affecting your health? Is there impacts on your quality of life? And that's going to be different in everyone, right? So BMI doesn't directly correlate with health implications. And that's where we need to move on to the next steps. So there is a tool called the Edmonton Obesity Staging System that was developed by Dr. Arya Sharma, and he's one of the forefathers of obesity treatment in Canada. And that really looks at the mental, so the mental health, the metabolic, and the physical impacts of excess adiposity 
on health. And that is um, felt to be a better correlation with um, morbidity and mortality than BMI alone. So it's a better predictor of all-cause mortality, mortality meaning death. So if you have very advanced obesity based on the EOSS, so you have severe obesity would be now the obesity is complicating your heart. You're having heart problems. Maybe you've had a stroke. Maybe you're completely immobile and you're in a wheelchair. All of those things are going to be more correlated with um, mortality risk or death risk. And the purpose of that, the purpose of like, why do we need to stage? Why do we need to determine severity? Is because it's going to also determine the intensity of our treatment, right? So if you have obesity, but you're really healthy, we're going to focus on certain treatment. But if you have obesity and you're really kind of what we would consider more end stage, you have end organ damage, you have a lot of severe complications, then that's also going to determine, hey, we probably need a more intense intervention here. We need to act promptly to prevent further decline and further impairment to health. So once a diagnosis of obesity has been established, so we screen with BMI, we determined severity based on the EOSS. Maybe we're also looking at, okay, what other medical conditions do you have that could be associated with obesity? Now we're really looking at what are the causes that are leading to weight gain? Because I think we really need to recognize that obesity is a heterogeneous disease. The cause is going to be different for everyone. There's going to be some people who were like literally born into a larger body and their body just for genetic reasons, whatever it is from their early infancy there, they just held on to fat and they grew up that way. And it just kind of has gotten worse. Other people, they were lean until they got into a car accident in their thirties and then they developed chronic pain and then fibromyalgia and depression. And they got put on all these medications and then they started gaining weight. So we really want to be looking at what is the cause that has led to weight gain, the genetic factors, epigenetics, the environmental influences, the lifestyle influences, medications, medical conditions. That's what we're looking at, right? So this is where we're taking a good family history. We're looking at what medications you might be on. We're discussing what does your weight history look like? Like, tell me the trajectory of what's happened over your life. Has there been a lot of yo-yoing? Has it been steady up? Was there a, a trigger? And then all of a sudden you started gaining weight. So triggers might be puberty. I see that a lot in women with PCOS, puberty hits, and all of a sudden they're gaining a lot of weight. That's like a big clue for me that I'm going to be looking for PCOS. Pregnancy, menopause. Oh, I was prescribed high dose steroids for this autoimmune condition that I developed. Okay. And that's when the weight gain started. So we're looking for all of these potential causes because that's also going to give us a more full picture of what we need to address, right? We're not, when we're looking at treating obesity, we're not just like weight loss, the scale, everything we can do to make the scale go down. We're looking at the whole person and the whole picture. What are the different factors that are contributing to weight gain can maybe contributing to overeating, maybe appetite, maybe sedentariness, maybe lack of sleep. How do we address all of those things? Because unless we address the whole person, we have a holistic picture, we're not going to be very successful. And I think that's one of the reasons, the many reasons, don't get me started on diets, commercial dieting, but one of the many reasons that commercial dieting has failed so many times is it doesn't take into account the whole person. It really just focuses on like, this is what you eat. And if you eat this, you'll lose weight. It's like, what about all these other factors that were coming in? So evaluation needs to consider the causes that have been leading to weight gain. And that's where a physician who is familiar with the complexity of obesity is going to maybe 
review this a little bit more than someone who doesn't kind of understand. You may have experienced a physician that you've spoken to or a healthcare provider, a nurse practitioner or whatever, who maybe the conversation comes up around weight and it's like, well, here's a nutritionist, go talk to them, right? That just shows you they don't really understand the complexity. There's a lot of other stuff going on that we need to be evaluating. Okay, so once we've looked at the causes, then we also want to consider the severity. Okay, so this ties into the EOSS, but we're probably going to dig a little bit more. So what are the medical comorbidities that are associated with obesity or the excess adiposity? And the clinical tool outlined by Obesity Canada is called the 4Ms framework. And it is a guide to an obesity assessment. And it's kind of a tool that's meant for like healthcare professionals, but I'm going to just share it with you because I think it just gives us like a, a nice framework to work with. So the four M's are mental health, mechanical, metabolic, and monetary. So monetary being barriers to care. So let's talk about um, mental health to start. When we're having a really comprehensive obesity assessment, and this is probably not happening on one appointment, by the way, this is where if you're working with an obesity specialist, like the doctors on my team and our whole team, we're looking at this is like many visits, right? Or it's kind of unpacked over time because it would be several hours of discussion if we were doing this all at once. But we're looking at, okay, what is the knowledge of your disease? I will tell you the majority of people that come into my office have so much of their own intrinsic bias about obesity. I did this to myself. I need to get myself out of this. That's the mentality. They don't understand that they're dealing with a medical condition. So that intrinsic bias, if not addressed, internalized bias that's not resolved is actually going to impact obesity management, right? Because they're not going to be open to actually bringing in the right clinical tools that are going to help them if you're dealing with a lot of your own bias. If you have a lot of self-image issues, right? Your self-concept is wrapped into your weight. And that's really common because of the culture that we live in, because of diet culture and because of our obsession with thinness and celebrity and that this whole realm that ties into your self-image. And if we don't address that self-image, it's going to come into play. It's going to be a barrier to effective treatment. It's going to be a barrier to creating your healthiest lifestyle. So all of this stuff takes time for it to come out. We have to look at mood, anxiety, right? Do you have a depression maybe that is untreated that we really need to address because your depression is preventing you from goal setting? Do you have such extreme anxiety that you're not stepping out of your house anymore? And that's tied into your body image as well. And that's going to be a barrier to you either getting medical care or getting out and walking or following through with your goals. So all of this stuff is going to have to come out. We're looking at addiction. Do you have an addiction to food, alcohol, other substances? That is part of the clinical assessment because it, it is going to tie into our care. So what investigations might we consider? Well, there are certain mental health questionnaires like the PHQ-9, the GAD-7, which is an anxiety questionnaire. Sometimes we might even use something called the Yale Food Addiction Scale. And that's really to diagnose true food addiction, which by the way, is very rare. So all of you who are like, yes, I have food addiction. Mm, probably not. You probably just have some compulsive out of control eating tendencies. And I can definitely help you with that. Uh, True processed food addiction is actually very rare. I've only had a couple of patients with the true food addiction. Okay, so that was mental. So the second category, the second framework that we want to consider is mechanical. So is the excess adiposity or obesity having an impact on mechanical factors? So is it causing pain, joint pain? Are you developing osteoarthritis, chronic back pain? Are you developing gout? 
are you having mechanical complications affecting the lungs, which is called obstructive sleep apnea or potentially even obesity hypoventilation syndrome. So we're looking at respiratory issues. We're looking at mechanical issues impacting uh, urinary incontinence, impacting your venous system, your veins. And are you prone to developing blood clots? Uh, are you getting plantar fasciitis as a result of the extra pressure on your feet? So this is all part of looking at the complications of obesity and determining the severity of the disease. And there may be some investigations and really it's depending on what shows up clinically. So if you have signs and symptoms of osteoarthritis, then maybe we're sending you for an x-ray. If signs and symptoms of gout, maybe we're looking at your uric acid levels. If you have features of obstructive sleep apnea, then we're probably doing something called a stop bang questionnaire, which is just a really quick screening tool to decide, hey, should we be sending you for a sleep study to really look at whether you have obstructive sleep apnea? Because if you do, that's also going to affect your ability to lose weight if it's untreated, right? And it's going to affect your quality of life, your food choices, your insulin resistance, all of that. So that was number two, which is mechanical. Number three is the metabolic complications of obesity. So this is the category that I, I think most people think about. It's the cardiometabolic risk. So this is, we're talking about type two diabetes, prediabetes, cholesterol issues, high blood pressure, heart disease, atrial fibrillation, stroke, PCOS, infertility. There can also be nutritional deficiencies. So I will tell you like 95% of the people that I encounter are vitamin D deficient. We need to get them on some vitamin D. We need to be on higher doses of vitamin D. Do you have fatty liver or what's now been renamed maffled metabolic associated liver disease? I'm missing one, maffled. <laughs> metabolic associated fatty liver disease, right? Maffled. Used to be called naffled. So they've just changed the names. <laughs> around. But do you have that? Because eight, up to 80% of people with obesity also have MAFLD. And that needs to be a consideration, something that we're looking at, because that is MAFLD is one of the leading causes of liver transplant in North America, right? Leading, it can lead to cirrhosis, but it can also lead to cancer of the liver, hepatocellular carcinoma. So again, I want to just reiterate, I'll just pause for a second and say, I don't want to scare anyone. So I don't want you listening to this being like, oh gosh, she's just like painting this doomsday story. But we also do need to be realistic about the medical complications associated with obesity, because there are a number of medical complications, but this is the beauty that when we're treating obesity, we're not just treating an aesthetic. We aren't treating an aesthetic. We aren't treating the scale we are treating the human being that is at risk of developing a lot of medical complications as a result of this disease. And we have effective treatment available. We have an effective comprehensive plan, right? The behavioral training, the psychological, the medical, potentially even surgery for some people. And that's really what I want you to hear. Okay. So what investigations are we doing for the metabolic? We're looking at on examination. This is pretty much the only thing that really requires an in-person contact is just getting a blood pressure. And then on blood work, we might be looking at things like your fasting blood sugar levels, your three-month average blood sugar, which is called an A1C, your cholesterol panel, uric acid, your vitamin D levels, iron, B12, liver enzymes for fatty liver disease. If there are features of something like PCOS, then there might be a little bit more testing, but this is on an individual basis. So we might look at testosterone and estradiol, prolactin, progesterone, LH, FSH, DHEAS, and then we're also looking at thyroid levels. So you'll note that these are not really complicated blood tests that we're doing. In fact, these are really common metabolic blood work that 
is probably part of many family doctors who do kind of routine check-ins with their patients might be doing very similar metabolic blood work. The add-ons, the additional things that I will do with my patients, I always get a fasting insulin and this is not part of the guidelines. So I'm going to full disclosure. I do it because I actually find it's a really valuable test for insulin resistance, particularly in people with like PCOS women. So I deal with a lot of women and insulin resistance is present even before blood sugars start to go up. And so we can actually have an opportunity to intervene earlier if we check blood sugar, sorry, not just blood sugar levels. We also check insulin levels. The last part of the assessment is monetary health. And really this is just looking at, okay, are there socioeconomic barriers to this person getting access to care, getting access to medical treatment? Are are there issues with insurance coverage that are going to affect their ability to get treatment? And so those are the four M's. That's the framework. So what I want to share with you is like, this is the type of stuff that you can be thinking about if you are going to speak to an obesity physician. This is the kind of stuff that you can be expecting, but it's not overly complicated from a testing point of view. And I think this is the part where people get maybe disappointed, right? Because a lot of people who come are like, I, I, it's my hormones. I, I really need you to check my hormones. Like, I know that this is hormonal. It doesn't make any sense why I keep gaining weight. So check my hormones and tell me what it is. And my answer is always, you are right. Obesity is a hormonal disease. It's controlled by the brain. It's a lot of different hormones, but they're not ones that I can send you to life labs to check. So we're not talking about your thyroid, really. It's so exceedingly rare that this is your thyroid. Not impossible, but very rare. It's not commonly your cortisol, right? Okay, there are some people with Cushing's, but... Again, this is pretty rare and we would only check it if you have clinical signs and symptoms, right? You've got a dorsal fat pad, you've got something called moon faces and you've got really thin arms and legs and red face. Okay. If you have clinical signs and symptoms, we'll check cortisol and we'll do that whole test for Cushing's, but I'm not going to just routinely check a cortisol level on everyone, which is what a lot of people expect in the absence of those signs and symptoms, because they want to pin it on one thing. Here's the disappointing part for you. We're not going to be able to pin it on one thing. The vast majority of times obesity is all these different factors coming together. That's resulting in weight gain. We have to kind of like address each one. And I would say the expertise of an obesity physician or an obesity care team is not in what tests can we send you for it's in how can we clinically support you in your life as a whole person with all of the different factors? How can we do a really good assessment to understand what's happening, what's contributing to your weight gain and get to the root issues? I know that it would be nice if we could just test your leptin levels and be like, that's it. It's your leptin. If we treat your leptin, you have no problems, but it's not that. Yeah. There's hormones involved, leptin, ghrelin, GLP-1, CCK, all these hormones are involved, but it's not going to be the one thing, right? There's no magic bullet in obesity treatment. And that for some people is sometimes disappointing, but here's my message of hope, right? My encouragement to you is that our inability to give you a firm lab-based diagnosis doesn't change our clinical management. And it doesn't change your ability to have a really positive and successful outcome with long-term weight management, with long-term health improvement, with long-term obesity treatment. So when we're looking at treatment, we're not looking at lab parameters purely. We're looking at your, you as a person, what's going on for you, right? And what clues could we have in 
your experience of hunger, or you have a lot of urges and cravings, or you really struggle with emotional eating, that's going to then dictate what kind of therapies what we might use. Are you someone who needs a lot of psychological support? Or are you someone who you're doing all the right things? Like you're doing the lifestyle side. You really just need some correction to your physiology with medical treatment. So that's where we're going to talk in upcoming weeks about the three pillars of evidence-based obesity treatment outlined in the guidelines. And Again, the fact that we can't pinpoint the cause of obesity on one lab test, one blood work, a result that we get doesn't change our ability to be really successful. All right. I hope that is helpful. If you're listening and you want expert medical care in Canada and the coaching that you need to make sustainable changes in your life so you can achieve your best weight, your best health, I want you to take the next step and book a discovery call with me or my team it's easy to listen to me and it's easy to be like, oh yeah, that sounds really great in theory. And it is scary sometimes to take the next step, but this is your encouragement to do so. Together, we will look at your history, what's going on for you, your challenges. And then we can talk about how I can help you, how my team can help you. And we'll decide if best weight is the right next step for you. So go to www.sashahighmd.com, book a call with me. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening. I will leave you with the reminder that your health matters. It really, truly matters. So do one thing to honor your body today. And I will talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the high on life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple podcasts.